welcome to the Business Success Club. I want to say welcome, and you are in for a treat in this group. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. And on this podcast, what we really want to establish is this. How do hardworking entrepreneurs build profitable and scalable businesses whilst having the freedom and balance to do the other things they love? like family, vacations, sports, fun, adventures, and charity. So let's tune into today's podcast. Hello and welcome to the Business Success Show with your host, the business coach, Mac Atram. And today I have the absolute pleasure to be in conversation with Brian Clayton, all the way from Nashville, Tennessee. Hey, Brian, how you doing? Mac, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on your show today. You're welcome, Brian. Thanks for jumping on. Really appreciate it. Really, really appreciate it. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. And for those of, those of you who haven't heard of Brian, not to worry, we're going to get deep into this in a moment. But Brian Clayton is the CEO and co-founder of GreenPal. It's an online marketplace that connects owners with local lawn care manu- um, professionals. So if you have a lawn, if you have a garden, it needs to be trimmed, it needs to be kept. This is what... Uh, Brian's company does. Now, you can imagine, if you like, to make it easy for you, you're thinking, what is that? Imagine GreenPal, which is his company, as the Uber, Uber, you know, the um, the taxi hailing service for lawn care, but the Uber strategy, the Uber dynamics, if you like. So if you're looking for something, he's connecting lawn care professionals with your lawn. Now, and he's an entrepreneur, he's been an entrepreneur for many years, and also recently well he's won many awards but his company has served over 200 has over 200,000 active users and he completes transactions in terms of thousands of transactions every single day his company is doing over 20 million a year in sales right now so if there's any entrepreneur to listen to right now you must listen to Brian so stay tuned in we're going to go back into his background how he got started with GreenPal, what he was doing before, because he's been an entrepreneur for many, many years. So I'm excited. So Brian, let's get into this. Let me ask you a question. How did you start your entrepreneurial journey? What what kicked it off? What happened? What was the spark? Awesome. Yeah. And great introduction. Wow. Thank you so much. Uh, Yeah, I was actually dragged into entrepreneurship, kicking and screaming by my father on a hot summer day. In the mid-1990s, I was 15 years old and I was playing Nintendo and he said, get off your butt. I've lined up a gig for you. You're going to go mow the neighbor's yard. And he (laughs) made me, made me go cut the neighbor's grass. I wasn't living in a democratic household. This was a direct order. And and after I got done (laughs) mowing the neighbor's yard, he negotiated the price for me. I got paid 20 bucks for less than an hour's work. And this was 1995. And I thought, damn, that's actually really good. This is amazing. I just got paid $20. I only make that a, a month in my normal allowance. And I just did that uh, an hour's work. And I got paid 20 bucks. So I was hooked instantly on the idea of owning a business, growing a business, building a business. And the first thing I did after I mowed that yard, as, as I went back to my old desktop computer, old school desktop computer, and made up a bunch of flyers and passed them all around the neighborhood. And uh, by the end of that first summer, I had a dozen customers. And I and I just stuck with that lawn oh, mowing wow. business all through high school. Yeah, yeah. Stuck with, the, stuck with this little lawn mowing business. And all through high school, all through college. 
And uh, when I graduated college uh, with a with a business degree, I, I had to make a decision. Uh, I, I had to figure out did I want to like go into the job market or start a, a different business or was I going to stick with this little lawn mowing business that I had? And uh, by that time, I had a couple of helpers and I thought, well, I really don't want to be a lawn guy my whole life, but this could work. This could be my lane and uh, made a business plan with what I learned in business school. And in over a 15 year period of time, built uh, a pretty big business, uh, around 150 employees and ended up growing that lawn care company into a big company that was doing over $10 million a year in revenue. And in 2013, it was acquired by a national company. And so growing that thing from just me and a push mower as a teenager to 150 people, 100 trucks, I learned a little bit about growing and scaling a company and how to, how to get one going from scratch. And wow. when I sold it, so let me I, come to that in a moment. Let me come to that in a moment because yeah. there there are some transition points there because you make it sound so easy and people think I just did this. My father kicked me out of my bed. I did this thing, twenty bucks. I thought this is brilliant. This is amazing. And I just knocked on the neighbors and did. I'm sure you had some uh, hurdles. I'm sure you had some challenges. I'm sure you had some obstacles on the way from twenty bucks for an hour to selling that first business for ten million. To Luca Holdings, what were some of the challenges? What were some of the obstacles that you had to deal with on the way? Yeah, it's uh, it was 15 years, so so it took a while, it took a long time, and so that's the first thing I'll point out is that you know these things take time and they take consistency, they take hard work. Everybody knows that. Uh, but looking back, uh, growing that business and my second business, and so 22 years of entrepreneurship, one thing that kind of makes sense to me is that it's almost like a video game. It really is 10 levels of Super Mario Brothers, and every level has its own set of challenges. And you just kind of work through one level at a time and not worry about all of the other uh, challenges that, that await on levels 8, 9, and 10. And I think that holds a lot of founders up is that they're on level 1, 2, or 3, and they're worried about Bowser. And the reality is, is you just got to get through level one or get through level two and not worry about anything else. And so, so, you know, glossing over just starting with me and a push mower to me and, and 150 employees, really, it, it, it did break down to levels and just focusing all of my intensity at getting through one level at a time. And there were a lot of channel challenges. Uh, you know, every level has its own final boss mm. and, and, and its own set of challenges, its own uh, dragon at the end of the level that you have to conquer. And, and, uh, and so the, the, the way I kind of made sense of it was, you know, like, let's just focus everything we have on getting through this challenge, not worrying about anything else. And right. some of those challenges were hiring my first employee, you know, like that was really hard, you know, going from just me yeah. to hiring somebody full time was like doubling my business in, in one decision. So that was a, that was hard. And then, you know, fast forward five, seven, you know, years later, challenges looked a lot different. It was more along the lines of, okay, now we have to figure out a sales process and I got to hire a sales manager and I have to figure out how we can make that work and, 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 and tuning that sales process and understanding the, the way that what, what the engine of growth was at the business was a totally different set of challenges than, than, uh, than I was facing, you know, seven years prior. So every level has its own challenges. It has its own final boss. My goodness, that's great, great work, by the way, great successes. I want to say this because I want to transition into your present company, Green Power. You know, when you sold the old company and 
did you take a break or just went straight into, you know, what was happening? What happened between the old company and you transitioning into the new one? What was different? What was the difference between the old company and this new model? And why did you go for this new Uber model? Yeah, here's how it went. So 15 years uh, growing and selling that company, selling the business was almost like the Bowser level. It was really, really challenging getting that business uh, sold. And it was probably the hardest piece of the entire journey. And so after I got that done, I thought, whoo, man, uh, that was really hard. I don't want to ever do anything that hard again in my life. And, and I really, here's what I thought I was going to do. I thought, well, you know, I got a little bit of money now. I don't really have to go work a job and, uh-huh. and I can live comfortably. And maybe I'll do some investing and, and live the good life is what yeah. I thought. And, and that was fun for about three months. Uh, and, and I thought, wow, this is really boring. And, 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 I, and I learned about myself that, that there was a piece of me missing, that, that my business was the thing that was causing my life to be interesting and was causing me to, to, to deal with challenges and obstacles and grow. And, and that without it, it was kind of boring that life was like, didn't have that, that fun challenge to it that I once had. And so I thought, well, I'm going to start another business. Uh, and because obviously I need that in my life. And I thought, well, the landscaping business was really hard. Every day was organized chaos. I don't ever want to do that again. I want to start an easy business. So I'm going to start a software company because that'll be so much easier. And boy, was I, I didn't know what I didn't know. I had this idea that, that uh, you know, an app should exist to order a lawnmowing service. I knew, I knew somebody was going to make it because mm. I saw what Uber and Airbnb and Lyft were kind of doing in 2014. These were kind of like the first big apps around a mobile device and being able to make something happen in the real world at the push of a button. I thought, well, somebody's going to build an app for the landscaping industry why not me? And how hard could it be? And uh, it was kind of naivete as an asset. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I recruited two co-founders and, and we got in there and started working on the project and quickly learned, wow, this is a lot harder than it looks. This is a lot harder than I thought this was ever going to be. And, uh, but, but I got, had a handful of customers. I maybe had 20 or 30 customers at the time. And I thought, these people really like using the app. Yeah, sure, they're pissed off about all of the things that the app, you know, is letting them down on, but but they're not apathetic. They 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 don't want to see this thing go away. And that okay. was just a little bit of validation to keep going. And uh and so we kept going, celebrating little small wins along the way. And and now Green Pal's a 10-year overnight success. We're nationwide in the United States, around three hundred thousand people using this app. Wow. What is the unique the USP of GreenPal then, what, why should people be jumping on this? What is the innate problem they have that they think, hey, let me just jump on this app, make my life easier. What is that USP? Yeah, it's a great question because no matter what you're doing, if you're starting a traditional business or you're inventing a brand new product from scratch, yeah, you have to have something different, something, some kind of competitive advantage, some sort of value proposition that is 10 times better than the status quo. And I learned this the hard way in the early days. It's like there's so many products in search of a a problem and really the the problem needs to be in search of a a solution. And so for us, 
we learned really early on that that uh, what our value proposition was. And in the early days, I thought it was the ability to deliver cost savings, a cheaper lawn mowing service, okay. because a homeowner can sign up, they get five competitive quotes back in like two minutes, and then they can pick the cheapest one. That's what I thought our, uh, our, our value proposition was. As time went on, uh, we began to learn through talking to homeowners, talking to people, that it wasn't necessarily the cheapest solution. It was, I just want somebody to show up and do a good, clean job on the day they're supposed to. Right. Because there's this weird, weird phenomenon of the of the disappearing lawn guy, uh, <laughs> like 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 these guys ghost on the regular, and they just they just they 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 sign up for a commitment, and they don't show up. Uh, or they're supposed to come out and give you an estimate and they stand you up or yeah. they just like drop off the face of the earth. And so for us, we began to learn really early that what our what the problem we're solving is consistency, reliability, and just pushing a button and getting it done and knowing that it will get done. And so that began to inform like how we built out the rest of the platform around reliability, uh, scoring these vendors on their reliability, uh, and let, making them understand that now they're held accountable, whereas in the traditional world, there is no accountability if they don't show up to a customer's yard. Well, now there is, and it, they can use those scores to earn more business and make more money. And so the whole thing kind of reinforces itself around showing up on time, doing a good job, being there when you're supposed to be, and not just the kind of the 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 the, uh, the wild west of how it normally gets done, where it's like you 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 hire somebody off of like maybe a Facebook ad and hope they show up. Well, yeah. when you hire them on pal, they're going to show up. They have to, and so that's the main value proposition: is set it and forget it. And and also for your your really basic lawnmowing services, like if you have a private gardener and you're spending ten or fifteen thousand dollars a year on on landscaping maintenance, you don't have this problem. But right. if you're uh, a, a working class family and you just want somebody to come twice a month and yeah. you want to spend 40 bucks, well, that's where you have the problem of, of consistency and reliability. And that's where GreenPal really solves a headache for, for consumers. Fantastic service. And I want to ask you this. How long did it take you to get to the crux of the real problem, the real proposition? Because here's an idea, you know, entrepreneurs have it. Here's an idea. And I think it's going to work. And I'll go out there and it's like, I launch it and it's not working. Oh my goodness. And some give up. But what you said is we had these challenges. We kept going. We pushed ahead. We figured it out. We figured it out. We figured it out. And at one point you realize that actually the problem that these clients have, these people have, it's not a price issue. It's not because we're the cheapest or you can get me the cheapest competitive quote. But the fact is you can get, I can get someone who's reliable, turn up on time uh, and do a good job, right? How long did it take you to get to that solution? In terms of, of months, it probably took six months. And the only reason why we got there was, was for, for a couple of uh, fortunate things. One, we were reading a few books at the time and just, and just like treating them as the Bible. One was the, uh, the Lean Startup by Eric Reese. And then, uh, and then, and then his his mentor is a guy by the name of Steve Blank, and he wrote a book called the Startup Owner's Manual. And what those books tell you in a matter of like two thousand pages is that you need to get out from behind the laptop and talking to your customers. You mm -hmm. have to get out of the building and literally at the kitchen table or at Starbucks and talk to your first. 100 customers, 200 customers, and let them tell you everywhere 
that you suck and let them tell you everywhere that they, that they wish that you would be solving problems for them and let that guide how you're building the product. And so that was key for us because we would talk to these folks and they, and they would always tell us the same things like, yeah, I hired a guy off of, uh, off of a Google search or I hired a guy on your, pro on your product and he didn't show up. And so my grass grew even taller and that pissed me off. We kept hearing that over and over and over again. It was never, I just want to save five bucks. And so if we had not done that, we, we would have never, we would just kept down, down the line of like, we got to figure out a way to make things cheaper, cheaper, cheaper. And, and we wouldn't have paid attention to uh, how often are vendors showing up on the day they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. And because and, these people are telling us that that's important. And it goes back to like that Mike Tyson quote, you know, no, no, uh, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the nose. Right. Like that quote in business is like, no business plan survives first contact with the customer yeah and 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 so the the as the founder it's, it's it's your job to get out from behind the laptop get out of the building and talk to your first few customers if you don't have customers hustle up a dozen customers or 50 customers and just like get in the trenches with them i believe the first 100 customers or 500 should be hand-to-hand -hand combat hand cranking like phone calls flyers emails, text messages, just hand cranking it to understand what your value proposition is and then let that guide how you spend the next decade of your life. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. I mean, I call you a seasoned, a veteran entrepreneur because you've been in the trenches. You've created your first company, sold it for 10 million. You're in this one, it's turning over 20 million a year and, and it's a different framework, but you're still providing this lawn care service, but in a different way. Now, you mentioned earlier on that in the midst of trying to figure things out, you've got some education. You've got you read some books, cranked through the books. How important is it for entrepreneurs at whatever level, whether it's a startup or whether they're trying to get to their next level, how important is self-education in that regard? Yeah, it's it's one it's a it's something that I ignored for a while in my first business, and I wasn't equipped to deal with the challenges at that level of the game. And so whether it be leadership, management, uh, say, you know, developing a sales process, uh, basic accounting, whatever, I, I didn't, I didn't have the tools I needed to get through that level. And so I kept banging my head against the wall. I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta level up here. I, you know, I had a college degree. I thought, well, you know, you know, I, I know everything that I need to know. And like, like, man, uh, the reality is you're, you're going to be doing three things in business at the same time, always. And so you're going to be working in the business, you know, making sure the trains run on time, making sure customers are happy, just making sure that the damn thing is running, yeah. working on the business, developing the systems, processes, routines, the standard operating procedures, the marketing system, the employee recruitment system, the customer satisfaction system, working on the business. That's critical. Absolutely. And then the third thing you're going to be doing is working on yourself reading the books, you know, uh, you know, in your background, we, I see four books there, probably need to read all four of those, you know, <laughs> this, listening to the podcast, listening to this podcast and the hundred others, going to YouTube university and taking all of the, all, you know, consuming the material you need to be consuming um, conferences. Okay. I can't afford to go to the conference. Guess what? Odds are that conference in six months is going to be on YouTube for free. You can watch every keynote, you can watch every fireside chat. You can watch every, you know, like some, what a time to be alive to start a business. And so, oh, yeah. and so consuming all of, all of this educational content 
is, is critical so you can level up and have the skills you need to get through that level of the game. I believe that your car should run on two things, uh, fuel, gasoline, or electricity, and educational material. Like mm-hmm. if you're in the car behind the wheel, even if it's 10 or 15 minutes, you should be popping up a, a, a podcast, popping up an audio book, uh, using that dead time to, uh, to, 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 to enrich your mind and flush out the stuff that doesn't matter. The, and then I'll make one more point and then I'll shut up because this works for me is, is, uh, is, is the ratio between what I call, and I learned I think I learned this in, in atomic habits or another similar book is called the E to E ratio entertainment to education. Right. And so right. what I try to do is like for every hour of garbage I watch on Netflix or every hour of TV that I watch, I try to at least do another hour of YouTube, another hour of some sort of like educational material. So I at least have a good balance. And, 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 and if you do that for a year, you'll notice a big difference. Wow. 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 Some golden nuggets right there. You're dropping some amazing bombs for entrepreneurs. Fantastic. Well done. Now I want to ask you this, that did you ever have an, an advisor, a coach, some kind of mentor, that really helped you on your way or did you just figure it out uh, as you went because the reason why i asked that is this there are many people that my company coaches we got clients all over the world we coach them to to the entrepreneurial success and one of the things is that at the time of coming in they think they know it all but with coaching with mentoring they suddenly realize i i didn't know that and they could go on for 10 20 years trying to figure it out but they realized the importance of coaching and mentoring later on. So did you have a coach or a mentor or an advisor that helped you on your way? It could have been your dad. I don't know. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a great question. Um, here's the way I see it. And here's the way I've experienced it. I think the idea of trying to seek out a mentor um, can be limiting. And here's, and here's, here's why. Uh, and, and I'll make the distinction between mentors and coaches. Right. Um, there's a fallacy, I think, with younger entrepreneurs that they need some mentor to, quote, put them on. That mm. if, if I can just network my way and know this guy or gal, that they're going to put me on and help me raise money or, or help me just, you know, give me the secret magic sauce to success. Yeah. And the reality is you don't need that. You need, you need 50 customers for your, for your product. And you really need to be talking to customers and not, not mentors. Mm. Um, so, 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 so that's how, how I see it. Now I have probably 50 to a hundred mentors who I've never met. Mm. These are people who I've consumed all of their stuff over the last 10 years whether it be books, podcasts, fireside chats, you name it. And they don't know who I am, but they've mentored me uh, along the way on, in, in terms of, of how to build a marketplace like what we have, how, you know, things like SEO, like how do I get traffic to our, to our property, um, you know, product design. Like these are world-class people who quite yeah. frankly don't have time to sit down and let me pick their brain. Uh, they, but, they're, but they put out all the information I need anyway, so I might as well consume right. it asynchronously. So that's how I, I view mentorship. You know, if you can get in the trenches with a great mentor, do it, but don't, don't let that be the limiting thing. And don't waste all of your time going on LinkedIn, you know, or, or whatever. And it is cold emailing people. I just want to pick your brain. I think that's a waste of time. Now, on the other hand, coaches, and I've learned this probably in the last five years that, that once you get something going and you get a little bit of money, 
mm -hmm. you start reinvesting in yourself, reinvesting in the businesses, uh, I think that coaches can be a big fulcrum in terms of, of somebody who's been there, done that on what it is you're trying to do that you can pay who's going to give you a coaching service and hold you accountable to, to, to execute at a high level because they've already been down that path. Now that I think can be, can be a strong like force multiplier. And I, you know, now I'm 42 years old. I wish I'd done this 10 years ago. Right. I have coaches in, in many aspects of my life. You know, I've got a, uh, a boxing coach. I've got a meditation coach. I've, I've got a, a coach that helps me understand like the accounting and, 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 and financial ops of, of our business, you know, a third party person that helps, re helps me review the books. I've, I've got a, uh, I've got a, a, a CEO coach. So I, you know, I, I, I invest in these things now, uh, because we have a little bit of momentum. We have a little bit of revenue that we can reinvest the capital in, but in the early days, I think it's more hustle, grit, less, less, can I pick your brain emails, more YouTube university, and then reinvesting later. Super great, great. I love that answer. Now, my final question here is this. Final question is this for all entrepreneur listeners, what is the one thing when you look back on your career and your entrepreneurial journey, the one thing that has made all the difference for you? And for each entrepreneur, sometimes it's different, but what's the one thing they said because of this? This is what allowed me to move on and get the results that I've been getting. You know, I think it's for me, it's 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 uh, the the talent for consistency and being a generalist. Um, and what I mean by that is is just being able to go wide on as many things as possible, so I can understand what's going on at different aspects of the business. You know, when when you're like when I was mowing yards by myself. I was, you know, the chief uh, equipment operator, chief maintenance guy, chief customer service, chief of, of, of marketing. You know, you really are doing everything yourself. So you have to become a generalist at, at all of these things. And, you know, throw another video game metaphor uh, at you. Uh, uh, one of my favorite video games back in the day was Super Mario Kart, you know, right. the, uh, where you would where yeah. race all these other drivers. And you had, you had five different drivers and uh, every one of them was really skilled at one thing you know princess was really fast off the line uh donkey kong had the highest uh, top end toad was really good at handling around the tight curves um and so they were all really suited for certain tracks and then you had mario who was not a really good driver and really not the one that that you could really beat the game with but he was a he was pretty good at all of this stuff um like average at all of it and so there were certain tracks that, that he was well suited for. So I think in entrepreneurship, it pays to be Mario. It pays to be able to like be 80, 20 good at like the 20 things that you're going to have to be good at, uh, whether it be accounting, product design, engineering, uh, sales, marketing, all of these things, you're going to have to be pretty good at all of them, copywriting. And so for me, you know, looking back 22 years, that's the thing that's kind of enabled me to slowly grind through the challenges was that I never looked at a problem and said, well, I'm not an engineer, so I can't deal with that. You know, it's like, well, you know, I can learn the 80-20 of, of what a good engineer knows and, 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 hand, and deal with it. So that's looking back. That's, I guess, the thing that helped me get to where I am today. That's awesome. That's a great, great, great answer there. Now, let me see. For those who want to connect with you, Brian, what is the best way to either connect with you or your company or whatever? What's, what's, what's the thing? If, I like the guy. I like the guy. I like what he's saying. Saying it makes a lot of sense. How do they connect with you? 
Yeah. So uh, anybody want to hit, hit me up? Instagram is the, is where I hang out the most. Uh, Brian M. Clayton. Just drop me a DM there. And then anybody in the United States that doesn't want to mow your own grass, just go to greenpal.com and you'll get it done in a few clicks of the mouse. Awesome. Excellent. Excellent. You've been listening to the Business Success Show with myself and Brian Clayton. Now, drop us a message in the chat to say, hey, in the comments box, rather, what you got out of this. What did you learn out of this? Now, remember to subscribe, to follow as well if you're not doing so already, so we can bring you some awesome other awesome experts just like Brian. I hope this was useful to you. Until next time, Matt Catrum. Brian, thank you, thank you, thank you very much for jumping on, sharing. I knew it's going to be a great conversation, and it certainly delivered. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mac. I enjoyed it. You're most welcome. Hey, guys, thank you very much, and thank you for listening. And remember to follow and subscribe. Until next time, bye for now.